When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it, Weekend Editions here at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Connor Clark is in. And, and man, I mean, his he feels like it's Christmas morning today. He's smiling. Finally, he's smiling. He's like, what am I going to get yelled at? For? I'm kidding. It's good to see him, uh, Connor Clark. Dude, are you heading home for the, uh, for the holidays, or are you stuck here? Uh, I'll be heading home on uh, Monday. Good for you. Monday. Finals go well? Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad they're over. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mark Cranach is with us. Cranach, you remember your your first year finals? No, and that's the problem. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't really focused on it. (laughs) (laughs) Cranach's like, no. Showed up. Where is everybody? What are you talking about? Okay, everybody's got number two pencils. Uh It was different days back then. That's right. We We had stone tablets. Uh huh. It's the whole thing. You did, to yeah. your credit, you got me back in time from South Bend in time for an 8 a.m. Com Law uh, midterm, or actually the first exam of Com Law in Broadcasting uh, College at University of Nebraska. You're you welcome. Mom and Dad's minivan, and you uh, hauled ass well enough to get us from South Bend to uh, to uh, to Avery Hall in time. <laughs> And you, 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 you slowed down enough for me to jump out and, and jump into the uh, the uh, hollowed halls in, in time. I remember that somehow. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. We support your matriculation. Yes. Hey, a, a lot to get to today. And it's been a week, right, uh, between signing day, uh, Nebraska's kind of 12th-hour hall with some kids. Uh, of course, you have Trev Alberts and, and Fred Hoiberg, the rumor that never was. Nebraska volleyball flexing because they're incredible between coaching and team. And, oh, yeah, there's still a portal quarterback to go fishing for. Numbers to get in this morning with Hale Varsity Radio. Weekend, 4663776 Five eight six five. Find us on Twitter at Hale Varsity at ESPN Lincoln. My Twitter handle uh, Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore Radio, and find Connor at C underscore Clark underscore twenty seven. Cranack, let us know when you get back in the cesspool. I will. Yeah, on it, on it. So let's start with the good, right? Or better yet, the great. And that is Nebraska volleyball, a chance for another national championship tonight. And what is incredible about this team, and really the we talk about the Nebraska standard, right? Well, 
John Cook and his women do it every year, every big match. They may not win it, but, man, you know you've played them. And for them to put this run together with the collection of freshmen and seniors and super seniors and whether an early storm in September with the eye on the prize being December 18th, we are December 18th. Yes, my, my watch is yes, working. It is incredible. And, you know, Brandon Vogel will be with us in about an hour. He nailed it. When talent and coaching collide, you get what you get in Nebraska volleyball. And they reload, right? We talked signing day now for a third time in December with this early signing period. And, you know, it's kind of a crapshoot for a lot of programs. Who's going to transfer out? You know, I mean, what what's... What's the climate of football like? What's the climate of basketball like? And then there's volleyball where John Cook gets the best of the best of the best. And then it's kind of paid forward and paid down from senior to freshman. And it's truly a competition where you're seeing freshmen in major moments excel, exceed, and then peak. And and it's I, I just I can't commend them enough because their expectation is pretty much Final Four every year. But yet they keep delivering, and they've delivered for an entire state since we're in the Christmas spirit, better to give than receive. Nebraska Volleyball gives you hope and pride uh, every postseason, despite what other sports may be doing. Uh, Will mm-hmm. Bolton Baseball is incredible. Amy Williams doing a great job this year. But Nebraska Volleyball has been doing the heavy lifting here for about uh, – about 10 years beyond well, that. But when you look at the rest of the sports scene, uh, Nebraska volleyball has been carrying everybody. Yeah, look, and and, and we all know, yes, nobody's going to feel bad for Nebraska if they don't make a Final Four just because of the riches of talent that they have, right? So, like, they have been recruiting very well. They have been retaining those players pretty well. But, look, Texas does the same thing. They're not in the Final Four. Right. There's there's plenty of programs out there that acquire the talent, but can't put it all together. And Cook now clearly being the goat (laughs) regularly puts it all together like regularly. Now, they had to rely on because of for a couple of reasons, you know, I think Lexi's son's reputation exceeds her her production right now. Not a criticism, just a fact. It just does. And it's probably because I think this is one of the early it's one of the early things about NIL, right, where I think some of the concern with NIL was, ah, are the kids going to be focused on the right things? And uh, well, maybe not all the time. (laughs) Kind of talked about focus to start this show. Um, But I mean, if you're Lexi's son and you're getting deals with Borsheim's for the Lexi's son edit. And you got your own clothing line and it's sold out in 24 hours. Like you probably start thinking about the future a little bit more. (laughs) You can't blame her. So, so there goes an all American off of your, a multi-year all American off of your roster. And now you have to backfill that with kids that were playing high school ball last year in the big fricking 10 in the big 10 that has, which is by far the best volleyball conference. In, in the Big Ten, that also has a bunch of super seniors coming back, which is what Wisconsin is. Wisconsin is just a, it's a super senior team, basically. So you're you're trying you you're if you're Cook, you're trying to get multiple players ready to compete with that. 
like girls that are 18 going against 23 year olds that have been in the Big Ten for five years. Uh, good luck with that. Not easy to do, but he figured it out. And the team that you've watched over the last, I don't know, week, week and a half, so different than the team that we watch midseason. It's just, it's super impressive. They're the standard at Nebraska for any sport. Totally agree. And what they're doing, and it was pretty cool to see Cook's press conference with, you know, at 1 a.m. or whatever he says, Husker time, how's Husker Nation doing? It's like, brother, we all saw that. Too, I'm, right? I'm, I'm getting I'm getting text messages from people I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, uh, someone's got my number. Someone's given out my number. But the long and short of it is uh, there. He's right on with the love affair. And it's and it's really kind of strengthened because, dude, bowl, bowl season kicks off today. There's three bowl games. BYU's playing somebody. Uh, UAB. Not on YouTube TV. It doesn't. Uh, dude. I got home last night after my my ball game, and I wanted to watch, I don't know, something, Anything? sports. Yeah. And I'm flipping through. I'm like, oh, yeah, they sent me an email on this. I was going to bring this up. There's too much crap to talk about sports-wise today. But I was going to get counseled by, by Ukraine on what do I do now. Dude, my, I'm trying my, to figure it out, too. My, my dad, man, dad's like, it's like he's he was on payroll for YouTube TV back in the day. Going, uh, switch over. This is a great deal. It and, is, and he was right, right. So everything's wired and Roku'd to YouTube TV because I had been a <clears throat> cable subscriber beforehand. And when push comes to shove, and this isn't like the people's fault in town here, but I had to watch off a computer for the NCAA tournament in the World Series in the past because the app crapped out. Yeah. And it just like how how is that even possible? But it was just for, for folks that don't know, and we, let's not spend too much time, obviously. But like all of ESPN and Disney and AB anything Disney owned is uh-huh. just pulled from YouTube TV now. Yes, and they and YouTube TV is like the number three streamer in the country. I mean, it's they have millions. Of we, subscribers. we we get to keep it here if I want to spend an extra fifteen. But they already punched me in the junk. I don't know in the last year, jumping my price anyway. No, no. From what I, it's no, it's just gone. Well, uh, the email I got gave me an opportunity to keep it for another fifteen ninety nine. Uh, no, I. Well, let's talk about this. Off <laughs> let's talk about I this during the I think rewind. You to like sign up. Regardless, the bowl games are gone. ESPN's gone. Unless you, you have, you unless you have ESPN Plus. Now, does that include, if you have ESPN Plus, do you get to watch everything live that is on all the ESPN networks? I have it, I think, through my phone, right, for some articles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. We will find out, or I will we be shall. at a watering hole watching New Year's Day, which is not shocking. Cranach, uh owed to volleyball, pretty big time. Let's talk recruiting here. Nicoldis Crawford. That's uh, all you got to say. Yeah. Is Does anything else matter? Well, really? I, I, in the recruiting class, yeah. I, I mean, I, I like I like Emmett <laughs> you got Johnson. A guy named Dakotas. I like Emmett Johnson. Uh, I think Ernest Hausman's fantastic. His name is not Dakotas. I, I get it, uh, and I think Nebraska may have done well getting Kevin Williams Jr. His name in, in the is portal. Dakotas. But this is pretty cool. What Mickey Joseph was able to do to take a guy DeColdis. that was committed. 
from pre-pandemic and LSU circa 2019 to flip him to the Big Red and uh, a sign of really cool things to come potentially for Mickey Joseph, Nebraska, and back again to the Louisiana Pipeline. Really good ball player, but you got to feel really comfortable about just how real Mickey Joseph is with getting top-end talent to perform, grow up, and 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 bring it every day like he did. Like he did. Yeah, and just for folks maybe that didn't know, they signed a guy named Decoldis Crawford. I mean, come on. Decoldis. That's his first name. His film's super impressive, too. <laughs> really. I, I guess a lot of these guys' film would be. And you don't totally know the the talent level that they're playing against on there in high school, but he looks like he looks like an LSU type receiver, and he was committed to them for more than two years. And then after the coaching change, he pulled out, decided to follow Mickey Joseph up north. Um, this is this one of the strangest recruiting classes to assess, and knowing the history of Nebraska recruiting classes, even when you assess it. What does that really matter? Because the history of Nebraska's recruiting classes are that about half of them, and especially at the skill positions, are gone in two years. <laughs> They're not even here anymore. So, like, what are we even talking about? Right? We're talking about people that may see the field, kind of, but they might just transfer just SMU or Kentucky or Rice or right like that's what makes recruiting is on top of that recruiting typically is all about the high school guys coming in well now there's the transfer portal right and that's a lot more prevalent than it's been in the past so it's like i I feel like the whole that whole system and the way we evaluate things needs an entire relook if that makes sense and then and think about by the way, think about December's early signing day. Like that's already that already seems like a dumb idea. And that was just instituted like two or three years ago. I think this is the last year of it. It was like a three year kind of trial deal. All right. Yeah. I think they'll probably push it back to post January or maybe they do. They keep February the way it's always been. Right. I know. And if, and if they're right? going to have two, let's do a let's do a, a winter and a summer. Let's do a summer signing period. It's so it's so transient right now. Oh, the, oh, the, the college portal numbers is, are nuts. That yeah, it's. I and I don't know what you could actually do about it. I mean, really, like if you're going to open up the ability for kids to transfer, like it's kind of how you know. Maybe it'll take a few years for kids to realize that, you know, because just because you enter the portal doesn't mean you're going anywhere, <laughs> right. or that anybody wants you. Phil Darius Payne, by the way. He, he decided to come. He entered the transfer portal, kind of saw what was happening there. He was like, nah, I'm coming back. Miles <laughs> Brennan like, got talked into staying. Right. Miles Brennan, like Nebraska's big target. Uh-huh. So he goes into the portal. He looks around. He's like, okay, I'm sitting here in Baton Rouge. I got Brian Kelly, who's kind of a quarterback guru, or I can go to Nebraska. I just need that Max Johnson character to transfer out, and he did to go play for Jimbo. So my competition's pretty much gone. Uh, it's weird. It's just it's a uh, the job has changed and like I'm I'm really glad that Trev got through to Scott on that and was just like dude you can't be worried about what plays you're calling like <laughs> especially now you can't I mean as a head coach you, you have roster management is a 
cons is, is damn near a daily concern now, like way more than it was before. Uh, it's, it's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. The amount of players that are in and out and keeping track of it all to be able to assemble your roster to know what you're going to do, let alone build for the future. Right. Cause you got to know how to treat each kid so that they don't get pissed and feel like they're not going to get a chance. And so they transfer out early and it's like, we just invested two years of strength and conditioning and nutrition and practice. And this kid that just wasn't ready yet. And then now he's just gone. Right. Like it's, uh, it's crazy. Well, it, it really kind of depends on, you know, who you're recruiting, what's their maturity level and are they going to listen to coach and peers? Or are they going to listen to friends and family in some instances? Right. So yeah. about about playing time and, and like getting up to speed. So, yeah. Uh, last thought here and uh, we'll get to our rewind segment here with Ernest Hausman. Really wonderful story in the Hale Varsity recruiting issue from Greg Smith on Ernest's story. Uh, adopted from Uganda, uh, faced some health challenges, and uh, has persevered. And he kind of shares his his story and his football uh, love with us here coming up. So really good to get caught up with him on signing day. Cranach, you you've been in the PR game for a long, long time, my friend, and you can parse through and, and tea leave or try to Trev's statement on Fred Hoiberg earlier this week. You can take it for what it's worth. Where were you at? Were you at uh, kind of a, a high buy-in level of, uh-oh, something's going to happen with Nebraska basketball this week? Or were you not believing the storm clouds that were appearing in different instances around the uh, the periphery of Nebraska basketball, I would say I was leaning more towards there's some there's some reality here, mm-hmm. mainly because I couldn't I couldn't it just seemed like there was something more going on with the team. They had played like such dog crap for two two games. As in soon a row. as Abdul Massey was gone, they did. Right, they have played so bad. It was and and so once the rumors started coming out, you're just like, oh, maybe they all knew, you know, something was coming, and that's sort of like they're all distracted and they right, like so I was like, okay, that maybe makes a little more sense. Like it's one thing to lose, but the way they lost two weeks in a row is just or two games in a row is just, I mean, terrible. Like some of the worst basketball I've ever seen mm-hmm. in a, like probably the worst basketball I've ever seen in a Nebraska uniform. And that's saying so, something, <laughs> right? It was really bad. So the, so the rumors I thought maybe were, I was like, God, maybe there is some smoke here. Maybe these guys all know something. Um, but then Trev comes out. Now, you look how he words it, though. <laughs> he just says, we're not under NCA investigation, right? And mm-hmm. like, okay. Doesn't mean anybody's not poking around. Fred's maybe assured just, me. <laughs> yeah. And then he just kind of, he's like, and Fred, yeah, Fred has assured me uh, that, you know, everything's fine. He, he he very much kind of put it out there towards like hey, this is on Fred Something exactly happens. and that to me that's that's it like okay I said what I said there's no pending no current investigation going on uh, with basketball the the rumors are so loud I have to say something about them he said nothing about Abdel Massey in the statement it was just about Fred so if there is something going on or something does pop up or creep up, 
it's totally on Fred. And, and you know, what has he explained or talked to Trev about? I hope things get turned around for, for Hoiberg because I think he's a really good dude and I know he can coach basketball. He just, for whatever reason here, you know, the, uh, the second act in college has not gone well. And he has put every egg in the Abdel Massey basket with recruiting and roster construction. Uh, that's on you as a head coach. I hope they get it figured out against Kansas State tomorrow. I know we're not supposed to root, but these kids put in a lot of hard work. They are talented. you got to wonder where their confidence is at. And also they need some guidance from the adults in the room about decision-making. And maybe they'll get that from Fred with him just going offensive coordinator <laughs> versus yeah, letting, it be, letting it be a free-reign offense. And as far as Abdel Nassi, you know, with health issues and whatnot, I mean, that's – if someone puts a statement out that he's dealing with health health issues, then I'm gonna I'm gonna believe that. Uh, you can question it, but you can believe it on face value, and you hope he gets healed up and healthy. Uh, yeah. And you hope there's nothing attached to him uh, with some uh, sinister activity. Which Fred is saying, you know, came out and said, no, that's not the case. It's it's legit, mm-hmm. and that's in, and that they're. You know, they had a full week of real physical practice and, uh, you know, changing some things offensively that they really couldn't change before because of quick turnarounds and travel times and sicknesses and all these things. So we'll see. I I mean, you were looking at a team that bottomed out. The question is whether or not they stay there, you know, like they're because there's so much season. They've they've quit. Are they going to keep quitting or are they going to use that as a really, really rough, rough lesson? So I I don't even know if he could last the year if if that level of effort continues. I, I just think Nebraskans would be people will not show up to the to Pinnacle Bank Arena if that's the level of effort. Oh, completely. And like, be, they, they will stop. It'll be interesting to see what what the yeah. attendance looks like tomorrow. Actually, we'll yeah. uh, hear from Brandon Vogel, Gary Sharp uh, next hour and uh, rewind here. We have uh, some thoughts with Ernest Hausman, Emmett Johnson uh, from Signing Day. Hail Varsity Weekend, we're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Now it's time to get back to the Hail Varsity Radio Show with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. All right, that's it! You two guys leave me no choice. No television for a week. What? Uh, let's welcome in uh, part of the Nebraska recruiting class. We say hi to Ernest Hausman with us. Ernest, thanks for uh, leading off signing day here on Hale Varsity. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing well. Uh, so uh, just take us through your day. Take us through the process if you can. And are you relieved that uh, today's finally here? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a really crazy day for myself. Um, you know, I kind of uh, push everything in my, my morning routine, stuff like that, up a, up a little bit uh, just so I can get my signing. Uh, taking place a um, little bit of after seven seven a.m. Um, just so I can get down to the uh, Nebraska staff, and you know it was just a normal, normal school day. And then I just uh, finished my signing um, just uh, just a few minutes ago. Uh, after school, you know we had a little tornado shelter, so we had to take cover for a little bit, um, and then we had to just uh, resume it afterwards. Weather's been incredibly temperamental today all over the state uh we just got out of a tornado warning here in lincoln and everyone safe and sound okay doing up in columbus everyone healthy okay yeah everything everyone's good right now 
So when it came to, to Nebraska, and I know Nebraska came hard after you, tell me who you connected most with on the staff, who was kind of your lead recruiter, and follow up with that if you can from a peer standpoint. Who did you connect with on the team when you visited? Yeah, um, from a coaching standpoint, I really did connect with Coach Lee. He was, he was for, um, you know, I know uh, Sean Dillon um, was the first person to reach out to me. But, you know, once once he uh, hooked me up with Coach Rude, um, I really did uh, think uh, it just uh, just took off from there. Um, you know, just him him, him and his uh, football background, um, this is really smart. And, you know, I, I wouldn't want to play for any other coach like that uh, to spend my next four years with. And just not just not just the football standpoint. You know, him as a person is incredible. Um, just incredibly, uh, just a very, very uh, nice person. Just an easy, easy uh, going person, and you know he's just really, really a fun person to be around. Just love his energy, and you know just um, just his vibe that he, that he reflects off himself. So it, it, it's just awesome to be around him. And you know from from a, a teammate standpoint, how do we do? Uh, co- uh, Randy Randy Kapai uh, was the, the person I really did connect with. You know he was my host on my official visit. And you know him and I just really, just really uh, got along very well. You know, with with his similar background, you know, being from Africa. Uh, so you know, I just really think we just really connected from that standpoint. And you know, we just we've kind of been through uh, putting the same same shoes a little bit um, in circumstances. And you know, just to see that we we can be able to play on the same team together and the same position and be as teammates. Um, it's just a really special moment. Ernest, you've been one of the, the longest tenured Husker commits committing, I believe, back in March. Uh, and, and now you've got to see all the ups and downs of this season, some coaching staff changes. Uh, but now that you're, you're signed, sealed, and delivered, can you tell us, was there ever any moments of doubt in your commitment where you thought maybe Nebraska isn't the right school for me, or were you always locked in? No, I, I was always locked in from day one. You know, once uh, I knew that when I was going to, when I was going to commit to a school, um, that I, I either had to be all in, um, well, I was not going to commit to a school, and you know, um, you know, I, I had a kind of recruitment deadline that you know I wanted it to be before my senior year, um, and then I kind of took a little further and I said I wanted before my summer of my senior year so that I could focus um, through summer training and just focus with my school and uh, my football team. And you know, I didn't really know when when the day was I was going to commit, um, and you know, it was it was tough because uh, just just weighing everything. Um, all the pros and cons of all the schools, listening to everything like that. Um, you know, you always have. So when you when you get to the pros, it'd be everything good. But then when you get to the cons, you know that that's when you would you know give yourself some doubts in your mind. And so for me, it was you know I had the question that you know my sister asked me one day. She was she asked me, you know, what's it, what's it going to take for you to get into a school? And you know, I I really didn't really have a have an answer for her um, at the time when she asked me that question. You know, I really took that to heart. Um, and I really, I really couldn't give her an answer. I didn't really know what, what, what it was that's going to make me commit to a school at the time. You know, I just have all these things. You know, I have all my things on my spreadsheet and everything like that. Um, you know, and that's that's why when, um, you know, I, I, had, I had to take it to another level. You know, I, I had to give, um, I had to bring. I, that's when my spiritual level of God, you know, really, uh, really took off a little bit. You know, I knew I needed uh, a second hand in this. You know, because this decision um, at the time for me, you know, I knew it was going to be a lifetime decision. And you know, no, no better person than to have God on your side making that decision. And you know, when when the time I knew that I was going to commit, you know, the day I had I had scheduled I had scheduled Zoom calls with other um, uh, other Power Five schools that day. And so you know, I I didn't have no clothes going to commit that day. 
And you know, once it once the I knew I was gonna commit, it was like all the way it was lifted off my shoulders of when I was gonna commit and who the school I was gonna choose. Um, and that's when I knew God would tell me that this is the school to choose from. And you know, once once I knew immediately, I co- I texted co- uh, Coach Dylan and I said, "Can I get a Zoom call with these coaches?" Um, and he set it up um, in very very fast in a few minutes. And you know, I canceled the Zoom calls um, and I committed that day just because I knew that moment that I was always in that school and going into the season. I knew that no matter what the wins and losses was going to be on this year, that I would commit to a school 100%. Um, and nothing was going to change that. Curtis Houseman with us on Hale Varsity Radio, signing day 2021. The uh, standout from Columbus, linebacker uh, in and uh, a smaller but uh, potentially mighty class for Nebraska. Ernest, tell us a little bit. Uh, you, you shared your, your faith in, in that, that part of your life with, you, with us uh, just a moment ago. Can you just touch on your perseverance uh, just from from the adoption and and also from some of the health issues you faced as a young child to also the transition to America? Just what's kind of kept you going? Yeah, it, it's crazy. You know, from, you know, once was the first day I came to America, you know, I, I immediately wanted to go home at the time. And, you know, as I just as, as I grew up and developed, you know, going through the trials in my life. And just never giving up, and just keep persevering. You know, it was. It was. Um, I, I was starting to see um, some progress, but you know, I would. I would look around me, my friends, and I would see that you know, there's still, there's still out of the game for me. Um, there's, there's still above me in some areas, and you know, that, that kind of just keep push, kept, kept pushing me. Um, but then it, there were some times that was harder um, because I knew some of the things that, that I couldn't fix, and at the time, um, you know, especially with the physical therapy, you know, with the foot, you know, I, I can't control when I was going to get feeling. Um, completely have my foot and be able to do the things that they were able to do. So there was some things really early on that I couldn't control. And, you know, as, as I grew up and developed, um, moving on to my middle school um, and in high school, you know, there, there, was, there was some tough moments there where I, I didn't really know what was going to do with my future at the time. And, you know, um, you know, and I truly believe, you know, that, you know, that's the time when my spiritually, um, I really did take off, you know, during, during my uh, early, early high school moments, you know, when I needed the most, when I needed him the most, um, especially making decisions and just to see um, where I, what I would be doing, you know. Um, and the question that really kept up popping in my head, you know, this time of the difficult moments was, you know, why why was I chosen um, out of all my siblings to come to America? And, you know, that, that question alone um, really just motivated me um, to make the best of this moment um, because, you know, my parents up in Africa, you know, they gave up a lot. And I know that... Um, that they know, I know that they would want me uh, just to make the biggest impact possible. You know, I, I, that's my, that's my truly only goal in this. You know, I want to make the biggest impact on this world as possible. And you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful and blessed enough that I can make this impact. Um, I'm going to be able to play football for Nebraska um, and have a, I'm be able to make an impact um, um, at, at a statewide level um, and globally as well. So you know, it's, it's really been a blessing. But you know, I could have done it with uh, Lord Favor himself. Um, because through all these through, through all these tough moments, you know, my, I know myself alone can can have got through these moments, and you know, I just I'm really thankful for that. Ernest, we'll we'll wrap and thanks for sharing your story with us and phenomenal feature on on Ernest in the Hale Varsity magazine. Uh, Ernest is on the cover of our recruiting issue, uh, really in depth there with with Ernest's story and Ernest. Uh, at what point in in your football life did you fall in love with football? How old were you? I really did believe I fell in love with the game right away at the time. You know, at the time I didn't really, I didn't really, I knew I do I love the game of football. 
Um, I did not know the amount of success I was going to have with the game of football at the time. I did know, I did write on my sheet that I wanted to, I wanted to go pro in football and that I, I knew I wanted to. I remember going to a Nebraska football game and that, you know, I'd go to a game and I'd say, I, I want to be a Nebraska football player. I remember telling myself that multiple times every time I go to that game. And, you know, just the fact that everything has come to this moment um, and signing that and making it official, um, it really just puts it on another, another level of how, how special it means to me. And, you know, just the fact that I get to be able to live out uh, my dream of mine and just be able to contribute. And, you know, just the fact that, um, you know, where, where my mindset's at right now, um, you know, it's, I believe it's, it's the best it's ever been, you know, since coming to America. And I believe all these trials I've had in my life, you know, I believe God put them in my life uh, for a reason um, to help me out with my future. And I, and I can't wait to be able to go to Nebraska and to just put the hard work in um, and to know, know that I have someone right next to my side and that I can do all things. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to uh, playing in Nebraska. Ernest, best to you. We'll uh, chat again and enjoy your day. Thanks for sharing your thoughts. Thank you. Take care. Part of the Rewind, uh, Ernest Hausman, big-time linebacker out of Columbus. Really an uh, incredible story of perseverance for him, his life, his story. And uh, big thanks to Ernest for sharing that with us. Our sit-down here with Emmett Johnson, Mr. Football in Minnesota. Kind of a late get. And, and COVID's really jacked with a lot of kids' junior film. So you have some senior films, some senior film better than others. Well, the senior season for Emmett Johnson, incredible, and a, a really nice late get, and the only running back for Nebraska football here in this 2022 class. Our chat right now with Emmett Johnson, uh, running back for Nebraska. Just a super talented back out of Minnesota, Mr. Football, uh, the weapon, Emmett Johnson with us. can find him on Twitter at Emmett Johnson underscore. Emmett, uh, thanks for time with Hale Varsity Radio. How was the experience for you yesterday? Take us through your signing day. Yeah, uh, the experience was good. You know, I just woke up in the morning, and it was a big day for me. Uh, throughout the school day, I was just thinking about uh, the college signing after school and everything, and it was just a fun day to be at school. A lot of people were excited to see where I was going. And and then the signing was after school at 3 o'clock in our parlor at our school where we hold the other signings usually. And we started it off by having uh, an introduction, and then my family was there with me, up there with me. And and they gave they gave some time for my family to speak. And uh, they spoke about me, and my, my coaches spoke about me also. Uh, and, just, um, and then took me through the – they took me through the, uh, the journey – of of how of how I got here and stuff like that, and then I spoke and just uh, gave all my thank yous and talked about how Nebraska was a good fit for me and stuff like that. And then I made the decision, and it was really exciting because everybody was there that's been supporting me throughout uh, the years, and it was just it was a fun day for me. Was it pretty emotional for you and your family? Yeah, I would say it really was emotional. I was trying to hold it in, but it's something I've really worked for as a kid. And to see where I uh, came from and where I am now is it's just crazy. And I just uh, keep thanking God for it because my family's big on faith and we just keep praying about it. And I've been working so hard for this, and it's just exciting. It means the world to me. Emmett Johnson's with us, uh, running back from Minnesota, Mr. Football in the great state of Minnesota, part of Nebraska's class here, Hale Varsity Radio. Emmett, take us through your perseverance, your story. And uh, the senior year is incredible. Uh, 42 touchdowns, 2,500 yards. Take us uh, through that path, that build up, and then obviously the payoff. 
Yeah, so uh, I started playing football at the age of eight uh, at McCray Park, a park here in uh, South Minneapolis, and I fell in love with the game ever since I was eight years old. Uh, my parents are both from Liberia, Africa, and they, uh, yeah, they came here when they were about around my age, around 17, 18, and uh, football is a sport that when I first played, I just fell in love with the excitement of it, and I really wanted to be good at it. So I really spent a lot of time during the off season uh, working on my craft. Uh, me and my brother, we didn't have a lot of, we didn't have like a role model or anybody to look up to. My parents, they weren't, they, they played sports, but they didn't play football and stuff like that. So we just worked out every off season, and I started to realize as I got older, you know, the competition got better. So that's just how much harder I had to work. And as I uh, started playing, I bet I was playing really well and. Uh, I just I just kept working. That's all I just kept doing is working. And then I, I chose to attend the Academy of Holy Angels, in which I came in my freshman year. And it was really rare for freshmen to play at Holy Angels. So I came in and I worked really hard. And I, I made special teams and stuff like that my freshman year. played a little bit of offense, a little bit of defense. But I didn't really uh, get the amount of playing time I really wanted. But it was a good lesson for me and just made me work even more harder. And it was a, it was a big lesson for me that I took in to that next year. So my sophomore year, I came in and started over a senior at running back. That was my first time starting on varsity for uh, offense. And I I took advantage of it and just showed the hard work I paid off. I think I had had over 1,000 rushing yards my sophomore through senior year. But I think I had 1,200 yards that year. And we went really far that year, lost in the semifinal game against a really tough team. And I was, that was a really great season for me. But it was another lesson that I, I took into my junior year so. Junior year we had COVID, uh, which was it was bad. And well, we had a we had a half season. We had the blessing to play a half season, and I capitalized on it a lot. I think I had a thousand yards too, also, but it was a half season. So I was on the, my way to three thousand yards possibly if I would have kept playing. And we won the section championship and made it to state, but we didn't get to play in that. So that was something too that really is a bummer. But again, <laughs> I, that same off season I went to camps and just worked hard kept working out and my senior year I just I just it was the best year for me because it was just my my last time playing for all the angels and uh the harder work I put in just started to expand and I started to get faster and stronger I got faster through running track and that really prepared me for this this senior year season I really every game uh, I had over uh, 100 rushing yards we played top teams in the state and I had eight or more eight or more games with four or more touchdowns so that just shows the hard work I put in, and it's not even just that. I just do whatever it takes for the team to win. I also play defense. If people didn't know that, I play safety on defense, and I had a lot of team. I was second in tackles for our team, and really just whatever it took to win the game. But that's just my story on how I came up from a young age, and the hard work that I put in really paid off now, and that led to this uh, great season in which I wish we could have won the state championship. But we had a really great season, and me winning the Mr. Football Award just meant everything too, because it's something I dreamed about. And so. Now I'm here, just made my college decision, and I'm ready to ready for the next chapter, and I'm just going to keep working hard and see what happens for me. Talking with the newest Husker running back, Emmett Johnson, here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, and Emmett, for any Husker fans out there who haven't gotten the chance to see you play yet, whether it be in person or, or on tape, is there anyone yeah. in the college or NFL that you've tried to model your game after someone who you say, yeah, yeah. That, that's how I want to play. I want to be just like that guy. Yeah, uh, growing up, I watched a lot of Adrian Peterson here for the Minnesota Vikings. I watched him play, and people also say I play similar to Reggie Bush. Uh, those are 
two people that I've watched a lot of film on and my game is similar to. And yeah, I just took I took little notes from his game uh growing up and I really I really watched a lot of his games and I watch his highlight before every one of my like my games and you can see in the film that the stuff he does in the NFL is similar to the stuff I've been doing in high school. But now to to actually uh be in high school and beat his uh rushing rushing record and touchdowns and stuff like that, it just means a lot and just shows the hard work I put in. But yeah, those are people I looked up to. And yeah, that yeah, those are the two people I really looked up to and uh outside of just football, I would say uh Michael Jordan and uh Larry Fitzgerald are two people I look up to as well. And just how they carry themselves, uh not just on the football field but their mentality for Jordan it's his mentality that I take away from him and just to have that mentality, same with Kobe, Mamba mentality. Mm. Just trying to um go out every day and be the best player I could be. And Larry Fitzgerald, he came out of my school also, Holy Angels. And he's somebody that I've spoken to a couple of times, and I just see the way he carries himself now, and it's just it's 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 a blessing to be in this opportunity and be on this path because uh, hopefully one day I could be just like those those players. So, Emmett, who did you connect with with Nebraska? Uh, take me through Nebraska's yeah. recruitment and how uh, yeah. how it felt like a fit. Yeah, so I uh, I first talked to Coach Nander and Coach Brown, Coach Ron Brown, and. I came to my first game when you guys played against Iowa, and I just felt loved ever since I stepped on the campus. I got there and I met a lot of the coaches. You know, they showed me around. I got to go on the field before the game, and I just seen the environment, and that's just something I would love to play in front of. It was just a really nice environment to be in. And just meeting the players and meeting all the staff and everything, I just felt really loved. Uh, Coach Frost, he just told me about the good things he likes about me, how competitive I am. Uh, how much of a leader I am, and that just meant a lot. So, and they 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 took the time out of their day to come here to Minnesota and visit me, which is another blessing. And it's just it was the the most love I've been shown. You know, the kid being from Minnesota, uh, Nebraska showed me the most love, and and that's just the place that I, I thought would be perfect for me. And not even just football wise, but academic wise. But the coaches that I really talked to a lot was uh, Coach Brown. I've been in contact with him the most. Uh, he's he's a he's a veteran. You know, he's he's been playing. He's been, he played football for a while, and he knows a lot about the game, and he's been around for years. So it would be good to play for a coach like that who knows what it takes to get to the next level as well as he's going to tell you if you're doing something wrong and uh, just give me a lot of advice and help me build as a person. Emmett, do you, do you know who's going to be coaching you? Yeah, so I, 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 I think Coach Brown will be the running back coach. I'm not for sure, mm-hmm. but – he may be the running back coach. I just met the uh, new Pittsburgh offensive coordinator who came in. Also, uh, it was nice to meet him. And uh, just, I just know that their offense is really good at Pittsburgh, and I watched them on them too as well. So I'm really excited for what he has for the offense this year. But I know Coach Brown will be around. He's been around there for a long time, so I don't think he's leaving anytime soon, which is great. So it'll coach, be fun to play in front of play coach, for a coach like that. Coach Brown's done a great job uh, for decades at Nebraska, whether it be wideouts or, yeah. or running backs. He's really developed yeah. well. Emmett, we'll, we'll wrap with this, and it's been great to, to meet you. Uh, Emmett Johnson with us, uh, Mr. Football in, in Minnesota, at Emmett Johnson underscore on Twitter is where you find him. And uh, a big-time back guy. I just like your combination of, of size and speed. And is that fair to say that it's uh, you're not just kind of a one-trick back, but you're, you're pretty multiple with what you bring uh, yeah. in the running game? 
Yeah, I'm glad that you asked that because uh, that's something that you know I that people see in high school that I've did throughout the years is I put on a lot of muscle and uh, that's I'm gonna have to put on more muscle in college. But I've worked I've worked out a lot and and I I don't see myself as just a one style back. I can do many uh, different things. Uh, I'm I'm actually a really good route runner. Uh, I can get into space. I can get you the tough yards. I, I just have a tough mentality. So. That's something that I'm able to adapt to a lot of different offenses, which is why I'm not really worried going into college because I know that whatever the coach wants me to do, whatever it takes to win, that's what I'm going to do to win the game. So I'll say my style of running back is I can do a little bit of everything, which is great, but I'm going to improve on every aspect just to be the best player I can be and help out the team as much as possible to get the win. Do you like uh, between the tackles or you like bouncing it? Uh, see, that's, that's another thing. I've, I've learned to – at the next level, you got to get the tough yards. So that's something I've been learning too, and doing. But I can do both. I, I would say. Uh, I mean, I like I like making people miss a lot because <laughs> that's just something that I'm really good at uh, with my cuts. But I've also learned to get the tough yards, and those yards add up. So whatever it takes and whatever a coach needs of me, that's what I'm willing to do. And at best to you, congrats, and uh, we'll talk again. Thanks for your time today. Yep. Thanks for your time too. Thank you. I appreciate it. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it, our two weekend edition, Hail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, and uh, Connor Clark is producing. Congrats to Elijah Herbal. He is walking here in a few hours. As he uh, graduates, uh, we welcome in managing editor with HailVarsity.com and magazine, and uh, volleyball insider, author with John Cook. Uh, dream like a champion. Brandon Vogel gets us kicked off. Add Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogues, how's your Saturday morning? Thanks for the time. Going pretty well. How are you guys? We are good. And uh, I was talking with Cranach during the, the rewind, and I've been texting with my brother. So back to this desperate moment of YouTube TV. What is the state of Nebraska going to do without ESPN if you have YouTube TV? Find a watering hole? Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, uh, Pinnacle Bank Arena is open tonight for a free watch party, which uh, might help cover some people, I suppose. But yeah, this is going to be it's going to be interesting. I have a feeling that uh, right around first serve, we might have a, a handful of people realizing, hey, ESPN's not where I uh, used to find it yet in <laughs> my YouTube TV lineup. You know, it's <laughs> pretty pretty remarkable. I, I kind of as cable went away i mean it's still around of course but and he moved to this like it, this kind of seemed inevitable like everyone kind of puts a fence over around the properties they own and it's not good i don't i don't think this is is better for the consumer uh it may have seemed so early on when prices were cheaper but now you got to have 12 different subscriptions just to get everything you had with one yeah it's all this, and by the way, in the telecom industry, it, that's been predicted for years. There's like, <laughs> going to be the smartest man in, uh, alive right now. He's like, "Yep, I knew this was coming." Well, seriously though, they they had been saying that back when I was I worked at a cable provider for years, and they're just like, 
all the costs are programming costs. Like, it's just that simple. So, like, yes, you're going to have these new entrants come in and they're going <laughs> to, you know, they're going to lower prices, but they're not going to be able to keep them that way. And then, they lose. Yeah. yeah. So here we are. Yeah. Here we are. yeah. So the, the, the key thing is, is you need to find where to watch Nebraska volleyball, period. End of discussion. That is the yeah. mission for Husker Nation today. Direct flights to Columbus are not in service at this time. Aye. We had time. We had time to make it happen. <laughs> Vogues, so let's spend time here on, on the here and now with Nebraska, this team, and uh, what Coach Cook has, has done with his, his women. And what were your expectations? What, what did you think was, was realistic with this volleyball team, knowing what was coming back and knowing what was kind of in the cupboard? Yeah, pretty high. I mean, in our August issue, so our volleyball preview issue, I I wrote that, you know, Nebraska kind of starts every season with like 99% uh, confidence in, in how how high they can possibly go. And I wrote that, you know, just adding this freshman class, like it's, it's hard to kind of, well, one, exceed expectations because they're so high permanently, but also kind of keep raising them. You're talking about fractions of a percentage point there. And, and I thought this freshman class had the chance to do that. But, you know, that's no matter how good the freshman class is, um, it, it's still a bit of a roll of the dice because they're, they're playing at a completely different level for the first time. And, you know, as we went through the season, you, you clearly saw the talent with those freshmen on the floor, but you also saw the bumps in the road. So I kind of went into this NCAA tournament thinking, well, if they can get on a roll, uh, they certainly got a chance, but they were the 10 seed for a reason. I, I thought that was a pretty fair seating for, for Nebraska. So to see them get here, um, I would tell you that, that's that exceeding expectations that I had going into the tournament. Brandon Vogel with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Brandon, serious question. How many women six foot seven or taller have you ever met in person? And like actually talked to. Like how many women six foot seven or taller have you met and talked to in your life? The answer is not enough. <laughs> <laughs> I was probably none that I can okay. remember. Um, like how many have you seen in person? Like sports aside. The, Sports aside, none that that I can recall. I mean, how, how, how does Wisconsin have three women, six foot seven and taller, and they're good at the sport? Like I don't, I don't even see human beings like that ever. They have three on their roster, and they're good. That, that's that's a good point. You could probably uh, figure out, do some back of the envelope math, and figure out uh, how many women there are in the world that are that tall, and what percentage of that group Wisconsin has on its volleyball roster playing tonight <laughs> against Nebraska. It's it's pretty remarkable, um, and you know it's 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 one of the challenges with with playing Wisconsin. So Purdue beat Wisconsin twice this season, and Maryland beat them once. In, Two things that those, those those two programs had in common this year, they were 1-2 in the Big Ten in blocking. And I think like for this match tonight, that's going to be really the key because Nebraska's floor defense is as good as you're going to see. Um, can they get a good enough block up consistently enough to kind of alter 
what Wisconsin hopes to do, and part of the problem with that is you can get the best block up you want, but <laughs> if the person you're going against is six seven or taller, they they can just go over you sometimes. So that's going to be, I think, the key for me tonight is can Nebraska get its hand on some some swings more consistently than it did in the two times it played the Badgers this season. Brendan Vogel's with us. We're talking Nebraska-Wisconsin, the national title tilt tonight in Columbus. At Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. So, John Cook has 22 seasons as Nebraska's head coach. We, we want to talk about numbers. Crane Act, 6'7", women, and six foot seven women in this world that are great at volleyball. How about this? 32% of John Cook's career has... Uh, has has been in the national championship. Think about that. Think about the fact that he's going for national title number five. I mean, that is that is Coach K. That's Wooden. I mean, Wooden's kind of like your your bar, but that's Saban. That's yeah. that's incredible. Think about T.O. I mean, T.O. played for a lot of national championships. I mean, and it was kind of spaced out every seven to ten years. Nebraska would knock on that door. And it was incredible. Bob Devaney coached 10 years, won two championships, played for, you know, a third. That's in that 30 percentile. It's incredible. Vogues, talk to me a little bit here about the the mentality and kind of the the the, 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 the culture word with how Cook's built. Um, this this program, but specifically managed this team. Because I'm fascinated, every coach tries to do it in all sports. John Cook has done it, and they're playing for a title because of his brilliance. Yeah, I, I, I think what you see with a lot of those coaches that you mentioned, uh, those coaches that kind of become institutions or make their program institutions where it's like, you know, UCLA basketball under John Wooden, yeah, they're just going to be there. Alabama football, they're, they're just going to be there. And it seems like a known, but what I think is those coaches so often get there by treating each individual team as a bit of an unknown. And while the results may be the same, you've got to kind of take a separate journey with with each individual team. And, you know, sometimes you've got teams that are super, super talented. I think Coach Cook would still tell you that the 2007 Nebraska volleyball team was maybe his is most talented, and that team came up a little bit short. Next year, a, a team that wasn't as highly regarded in terms of pure talent um, ended up going further. So it's, I think Alabama football this year is, is a good example. You know, they, it looked like, and it, it's all relative, it's the same for Nebraska volleyball, but Alabama football looked like it had a few, few cracks that you're not used to seeing with, with the Crimson Tide. You know, it looked like they couldn't block anybody against Texas A&M. And then they get into this match against the Georgia team that, you know, sort of shades of tonight in, in Columbus. You know, Wisconsin has been here, but they're still trying to get over that national title hump. Georgia had dominated everybody. And Alabama came out and said, well, we've been building towards this. You know, it's, it's not about how we looked all year long. It's about how we look right now. And I think that's kind of the story for, for Nebraska. And Wisconsin a little bit, too. You know, they brought back basically everybody 
Um, but they've done a lot of lineup experimentation as well. So it makes tonight pretty interesting because one of the teams, uh, I mean, any team that wins the national title has earned it. Um, but these two teams have really, really kind of put in the work to, to get themselves playing at this level at this very point. You know, that said, Brandon, Wisconsin has had a special, has especially had, no, isn't it something like 17 of the last 18 sets mm-hmm. they've taken from Nebraska? I mean, that's a, that's having your number. <laughs> you know, there, there's, there's probably no program ever that you can say that's been like that towards Cook, like that level of dominance. Nebraska finally took a set from them today. What, what is it about that particular matchup? Um, and is is it maybe kind of like you highlighted early, like Nebraska's block just hasn't been good enough in previous matchups? I, I think the, the block, you know, it was kind of so big. And, and they got an elite setter, which is the other piece of it, too. So we all know about Redke, you know, national player of the year, right there in the middle. And you can kind of marshal your resources to – to try and take her out of the game. And in fact, that's what, that's what Louisville, you know, it actually did a pretty good job of on Thursday. But Wisconsin built, you know, this thing over a long enough span. They've got plenty of other options that can come in and, and pick up the slack and say, okay, if you're going to go there, we're more than happy to go here. Um, and you can, you know, set that out as the plan before the match. But once you get in there, kind of having a setter who knows where to go and can really read the game well, uh, becomes the difference, and, and the Badgers have that. So, you know, I think as, as good as Lawrence Stiverns and, and Kayla Caffey so far this year have been, um, Recky's the national player of the year. So <laughs> Wisconsin's going to have the edge at that position over most anybody it plays. It's going to have a setter edge over most teams that it plays. And if you got those two things, you know, as long as you, you don't get a really off game from anybody else, you're just pretty tough to beat. So I think Nebraska being able to serve well, which is, you know, in terms of getting up a good block, you can try and game plan that, but just keeping teams out of system and scrambling a little bit uh, might be the best way. And, and Nebraska's been serving pretty well in this tournament so far. Purdue in one of those wins over Wisconsin um, served pretty well. Also, so I think that's the approach you'll see Nebraska take. Um, but it's just you get into the flow of the game, and the the mental piece of it will be super interesting because, as you mentioned, like nobody does what Wisconsin has done to Nebraska over the past three seasons or so. Um, how this match starts probably determines: okay, does that become a weight for Wisconsin, or? does it become kind of a boost for Wisconsin knowing that things have gone their way a lot? Brandon Vogels here with us on Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, in the final four against Pitt, Nebraska was able to kind of settle into that game. Kind of started out shaky in that first set, but obviously ended up winning the next three. And usually when you're in such uh, an environment such as a final four in any sport, it's hard to settle in but still come out on top. So, can Nebraska afford to try and kind of feel things out in that first set, or do they need to attack right off the jump to try and win this thing tonight? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the hill gets a lot steeper, I think, if Wisconsin, you know, takes that first set, particularly if it takes it similar to, to what Pitt did on Thursday, um, which I think it was 25-16 or something like that, 
um, came out. <laughs> Coach Cook, I think, said after the match, he's like, boy, I was thinking maybe this is going to be a quick night for us and, and not a quick night in the good way. Um, I, I don't know that Nebraska can afford to do that against this team with their recent history. Because uh, then it's just natural that a little bit of that doubt creeps in. You know, if it's a if it's a close match in the first set, you know, 26-24, either way, then it feels like okay, game on. Um, but you basically leave yourself no outs if if you lose a first set to a team like Wisconsin. You pretty much gotta win set number two, which is what Nebraska did against Pitt, and not only did it do it, it did it in pretty dominant fashion it basically flipped that result entirely and then you felt like nebraska had momentum going into the break it's it's tough to count on that happening against a team as good as the badgers brandon vogel with us and on hail <coughs> excuse me hail varsity radio put the cigarette uh, out first listen <laughs> oh i didn't know you yeah that's a good idea hold on let me just extinguish that okay we're good um you know what was interesting, Brandon? The, the way Nebraska beats you can be subtle too, because uh, you know the pit coach in the post game. I kind of couldn't believe he was even saying it. Um, they were just, and it was right after the game, so maybe he's emotional. You know, after after Nebraska beats him, he's like, you know, I, it was, it, paraphrasing, but I don't, it wasn't really Nebraska. I, I mostly just think we just didn't have a great night offensively. I mean, like not one of our outside hitters hit over two hundred, and that's like the first time ever. You know, wonder and, why <laughs> it's like, it's like, bruh, you're not seeing the, <laughs> you're not seeing maybe why that happened. Like Nebraska had a little bit to do with that. And even the players are just like, it wasn't really anything they were doing. It was just, we had it like, really, you just happen to have your worst night against one of the best defenses in the country. It's, it's subtle, isn't it? It, it is. And I mean, I think that's kind of the, the key difference between, you know, being a team like Maryland or Purdue, which kind of puts up this huge block and, and the athleticism jumps off the, the the court at you as you watch those matches versus Nebraska, which is an elite floor defensive team. Like it's just, it's kind of uh, a cumulative frustration when you, you just can't put balls away. You know, maybe you, everything goes well, the set's good. Uh, you get a good swing on it. You go over the block or around the block or whatever it takes, uh, and the ball just doesn't go down. Uh, and, and Cook has talked about that. You know, when they were writing the book in 2016, like he, I think he really enjoys that piece of it, of uh, the feeling that you get into these matches against fellow elite teams, and they just start to realize they're running out of answers um, because. Or defense is, is, well, you, you set it up and you try to make sure you've got all of the angles covered and everyone's where they need to be. But it's largely an, an effort thing, you know, to, to compare it to football or something like that. It's kind of the blocking and tackling of it all. And if you can be excellent in that area, uh, a team's got to be really strong mentally to kind of keep at it. You know, it's, it's, it's those teams that run the ball, even when it's tough to run the ball. That's what Nebraska asks uh, – Ask his opponents to do in kind of a volleyball contest. Brandon Vogel's with us, salevarsity.com and magazine. His book with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion, might need to be in your stocking this holiday season. And uh, what a run for Husker volleyball. Vogel's will end with this, bud. I want to switch to football for a moment. Uh, do you like the class? It's small, but could it be mighty? Do you like what Nebraska's done? And do you have a decoldest uh, stocking hat yet? 
<laughs> I don't, but uh, I'm hoping we can get a rush order on that for uh, for for next week. Uh, come on, Santa, I need you to come through here. Um, <laughs> you know the class. I don't worry too much about the the ranking of the class. Um, Greg Smith has a good story coming up um, on Hale Varsity this morning about that. These small classes are gonna they're gonna be ranked pretty low by definition. Now the the kind of overall talent level assessed through those recruiting rankings, it's also a little bit lower, but in kind of getting you know, getting to hear some of these players talk and you had two great interviews in the first hour. Thanks. Like it it's a group I feel strong about, you know, from from that perspective. And if you're gonna have a small class you're going to be looking at sort of intangibles a little bit anyway. And there's just some strong, I think, personalities in this group. So we'll see, you know, I think a lot of what will define kind of 2022 recruiting for, for Nebraska and maybe for a lot of teams that might just be the era we're in is kind of the immediate impact um, transfers they're able to add. And, it's 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 weird. It feels like the recruiting kind of landscape is shifting pretty significantly, and uh, we're right in the middle of that. Vogues, have a great Christmas, a wonderful holiday. We'll we'll talk next week during the week, but uh, weekend editions off till well after the new year. So appreciate uh, what you're doing, and best to you and your family, brother. Thanks for jumping on with us. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, there he is, Brandon Vogel. Quick shout out to some listeners tailgating in the southeast parking lot as Southwest Swimming gets ready to rock and roll. Uh, uh, Brett and uh, the, the Baileys and all the Southwest uh, swim parents, uh, thumbs up to you. Go uh, get it handled today. And uh, pretty awesome. Swim, uh, sw- those things are early, bro. <laughs> I mean, they're yeah. they're uh, either you're leaving for hoops, you know, or you got uh, – you got swim meets going on. I mean, it's it's never ending for the uh, the parents. Which I never is good. thought of it's that fun. as something you tailgate for. Oh, they they are. But that works. They are professionals in a great way at it. You you you, you, you tail you swim tailgate and then you go get ready for a meet, bud. It's nice. pretty good. Yeah, it works. Yeah. We will check in with the Iron Horse. Gary Sharp is on the way. Weekend edition. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Now it's time to get back to the Hale Varsity Radio Show with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. All right, that's it! You two guys leave me no choice. No television for a week. What? Weekend edition rolls forward. Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Connor Clark. We welcome in the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp. Santa Sharpie. We don't know if he's wearing the Santa hat or not. Morning, Gary. How are you, bud? Good morning. Uh, gosh, hard to believe it's a week from Christmas. Where has this year gone? It is. It has flown. <laughs> it has flown, and we'll see what 2022 has in store, Gary. Want to start off with volleyball. A lot to cover with you uh, between football and, and Nebraska hoops as well. But uh, is this John Cook's best coaching job? Wow, that's uh, you know he's had a lot of great ones along yeah. his way. I would think I, I would I would respond this way, Schmitty. I think this is the best blueprint for his journey during the course of a season. Uh, you know, it's not a sprint; it's a marathon. And if you go back to September, Nebraska lost three matches in a row, and 
you know, diehards and people that are following the program inside the program thought, oh, what's going on? Because they were trying to blend older players with this incredibly talented freshman class, and they were going to have their rocky moments. And when you're a program like Nebraska, you drop three straight matches, people think the world and the sky is falling. And John Cook stuck with it, and he made some decisions moving freshmen in and out of the lineup and benching Lexi's son and knowing that it would pay off at some point. And you look over the last three weeks, and it definitely has. And so for him to lead this team to where they are tonight, I think is really, really impressive. But that's kind of how John Cook's program runs. It is a journey, and he knows that there's going to be different you know, forks in the road and how you navigate them. And then, oh, by the way, they're really, really good. I mean, they, he has a really loaded roster that fought through some adversity, and I think it's helped them. And look what they've done the last three weeks. They have essentially just roared through the NCAA tournament, and now they face their nemesis tonight. I think it's going to be great for Nebraska volleyball. I think it's going to be fantastic for the sport and fantastic for the Big Ten to have Nebraska and Wisconsin playing. Gary Sharp with us on Hale Varsity Radio. We spent a lot of time on volleyball today because, you know, for obvious reasons, just getting <laughs> to the national championship, right? Like, it, I mean, does it – should it should the basketball program, should the football program, should the, the – the, all the programs at large, should it be a reminder? Like, yes, you can win here. You can win anywhere, and you can do it in any sport. Right. It's 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 so nice to just see Nebraska relevant nationally <laughs> and excellent. And at good. Something. <laughs> right. Like it, it just is like to see him relevant at something and see how fans rally behind it. Um, you know, should that be a reminder that, hey, you know, it can be done here and it can be done in multiple sports? Absolutely. You know, there's really you can find excuses coaching the sport in Nebraska to say, ah, but you know what? You have a lot of things at your fingertips and that are already ingrained in your program that you can be successful. You know, I hate comparing volleyball to, hey, look what football has. You know, we have this discussion about comparing Frost and Hoiberg. But knowing how you fit a roster together with top-end talent, new talent, how you put all of that together is pretty key. And then also, John Cook has a DNA of winning and knowing how to build a program and sustain a program. So it, it's refreshing to see that Nebraska volleyball hasn't taken a step back when other sports that you expected to be good have broken your heart or they've made you miserable when you wake up the next morning. The Nebraska volleyball is just Nebraska volleyball. We probably sometimes take for granted how good the program is. Oh, they're just going to sweep through it. This time of the year, they're going to be playing. Like next year. On this day next year, guys, the final four national championship game, it's in Omaha. That's a that's kind of pressure on Nebraska to get to the final four in Omaha. Um, but it's, you know, they, they just know how to win. They know how to win when it's time to win. And I think that's a big takeaway. That certainly the other programs across the campus do it in some cases, and others, they're still searching for it. But there should be no excuses. you got a, you got a volleyball program in a landlocked state that is one of the premier programs in the entire sport, in a sport probably 20 years ago, guys, outside of Nebraska and Penn State, everybody said, oh, you can't win in volleyball unless you're near a beach or an ocean. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's changed. You have Nebraska and Wisconsin that have two large fan bases that are playing tonight. 
Gary Sharp's with us. Hail Varsity Radio Weekend. Sharpie, gonna switch gears and, and hit basketball real quick. What what do you believe um, with uh, Husker basketball? Uh, Trev's statement uh, was out there on Tuesday. This week feels like ten weeks. Just how busy it's been. But yeah, there was a statement by Trev. There was supposed to be, you know, uh, an article at the end of this week that that didn't that never happened. You still have a coach that's on medical leave, and you have a team that's reeling, trying to get right tomorrow. Um, how have you kind of encapsulated uh, the week that's been for for Fred and company? I know the kids have have had finals, and they're trying to find their their way out of a, a tough stretch. Uh, kind of all aligned. You're struggling for five and six back-to-back 30-point losses. Uh, I think you did the right thing the other day in addressing it because the rumor mill for a week had just blown up, and it was everywhere. And I don't believe there was ever going to be a story this week in the USA Today. I mean, I, I went and picked up a copy yesterday. I couldn't find it. Mm-hmm. So it was, I think it was important for Trev to get out in front of it and just kind of acknowledge it and say, hey, this is what we did. Uh, until... Abdel Massey is either back or not with Nebraska basketball. Any questions are going to linger. Uh, and, and how does this current team block any of that stuff out? Because while all of us are being asked about it, you know, the players are being asked about it. Hoiberg's being asked about it. In the industry, they're wondering, hey, did Nebraska cheat? Are there going to be changes there? Is Hoiberg going to be gone before the end of the year? They've got that on their plate as well. And how do they handle that? Because the last week was not good to Nebraska basketball and you're wondering where are they going and tomorrow becomes a very important game to hold on to a fan base and to hold on to a season because now it looks like you're over your illness you may not have Derek Walker but you're back home you're playing a good Kansas State team not a great Kansas State team tomorrow shapes up as a pretty pretty important game for Nebraska to get off the slide and also to kind of tamper down all of this outside noise but until there's a resolution, until you know, Abdel Massey is back on the sidelines or whatever happens, you know, people are going to still have, have questions. And the way, to, the way to slow down some of those questions is to win and to put together a win streak and make people feel better about a team that there was a lot of optimism at the beginning of the year. Gary, red sirens and, like, alarms are going off after, uh, after last week's game, right? After the back-to-back 30-point losses. I mean, that is as bad of basketball as I've seen <laughs> I mean, that's really poor basketball that, that Nebraska was playing. The worst I've seen, really. I can't compare it to anything else. Well, I, um, I think the, right? the, the, yeah, the, the big thing, Mark, and, and I'm sure that illness had a factor in how some guys play. Sure, and I'm glad the, they didn't use that the, as an excuse, by the way. They did not. Uh, just just the being uninterested in playing defense is startling. Right. And that's, that's something, hey, you're not going to win every game. And you were playing Michigan and Auburn, but at least show me that you're you're fighting. You're fighting through screens. You're closing out. You're, you're diving on the floor for 50-50 balls. That can happen in back-to-back games, and that's an alarm to me. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it was as poor as you've seen. Now we'll see what happens. But at least Fred in his uh, in his press briefings this week saying essentially that. Yeah, it's urgency on defense. That's something we're, we're working on. And then, two, I gave them too much freedom on offense. I'm paraphrasing all this. They couldn't handle it, so now we're putting a lot more structure in. I mean, it's kind of – it seems like he's at least addressing the things that we all see too, right? And d- do you give it a fighting chance, though? Is that something – can you instill effort and intensity 
at this point in the season, or is that something that's done, you know, months ago in the gym? No, Martin, you are spot on. I think that's tough to all of a sudden, you know, when you've gone kind of, I'm not going to say laissez-faire, but you guys kind of understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And then you, then you turn it up and say, we got to get after it, guys. That's, that's, a, that's a turn that I don't think works real well. Uh, I don't know how Nebraska is going to be slowing it down. It actually benefits them, I think. But I don't know that they have the parts to run a slowed-down half-court offense. I think they know what they are on offense. And if the shots fall, it looks great. If Verge is not throwing behind-the-back passes in the lane, it looks great. If Trey <laughs> McGowan is out there to help to get guys in and out of sets and to settle things down on the floor, it looks great. But right now, it's just kind of helter-skelter. And there's another part of, of this whole equation about this team, where they're going, is, gosh, the basketball IQ decisions at times are just mind-boggling, where guys dribble into traffic or you know, what they do when they get to the glass and the shots they put up on the glass or – Know, what what's in this scouting report that they're not following? And those are those are some things that you just can't snap your fingers or a week of practice and say we got them fixed. So all add all those up, it is a concern about where Nebraska basketball is. But first and foremost, at the top of the list, they got to hit some shots. They got to hit shots when they have them. They've got to take good shots. You know, we talk about taking team shots, shots that are good for the entire team, not good for the individual. They need more team shots, and they need them to fall. Sharpie, we'll, we'll wrap with basketball, and we'll get your take on signing day in a second. Fred knew from the get-go, you go back to his first presser, his first early thoughts on this team with the talent, with the hype, with the, the love fest, you know, the excitement. We, we all, you know, know what Nebraska basketball can be, and we remember pretty vividly some of the really good teams with the, with the, the talent. But he preached and talked and hinted about role acceptance very early. And, and I know he can talk and talk and talk to the guys in the locker room about role acceptance. But ultimately, it comes down to those guys, whether they're freshmen or a transfer. Man, you just got to want to be unselfish. And I think Verge has done a better job of... Of, of you know playing under control and he he wants to win i think he cares and i think he's tried to to dial it back from some early you know maybe some early forcing but man you've got some of the transfer guys or a guy that's in a sixth year that's kind of your microwave bench guy and kobe webster who i really like but it seems like a lot of guys and then even with with bryce you know, some of his shot selection because dude wants to be in the NBA draft here next June. Guys just got to absolutely kind of humble themselves, and it's easier said than done if if peers are the ones that, that get it across. They really, truly, starting tomorrow, got to check their own personal wants at the locker room door. And I just don't know if it can happen. I mean, you never say never, but we've seen we've seen too much go wrong, and then you start losing, and then you start losing by the amount they've lost. This could really, really be a tough season. Yeah, it, you know, who's going who's gonna to step up? Who's going to control the locker room? Trey McGowan's on a scooter is not good for Nebraska basketball. Exactly. I just think it's once again, guys, it's a weird fit on the roster. It, you look at it and you see some individual parts that you really, really like. Now, I think Bryce McGowan, he, I, I like his physicality last Saturday against Auburn. He went to the rim against Auburn. 
you know, he went to the line seven times. He's got to do that a lot more. I, I can see him coming out the back end of his struggles of late. But it's, again, a really weird roster that they're trying to fit together where you look at it and you go, what's the plan here? What's the plan? Did we just accumulate talent or did we put together a team? And to me, it looks like they accumulated talent that right now doesn't know how to play as a five on the floor, and that's why they're getting passed by. It's almost like they're still learning on the fly. But, gosh, we, we, can't, we can't stress the importance of tomorrow. Nebraska needs to look good. They need to win, but they need to look good, or, boy, you are in real danger of losing a strong, loyal fan base for the rest of the year because why would they pay to come see what they've seen the last two games? Sharpies. Kennesaw State better be looking out for <laughs> Thursday. They're Wednesday, <laughs> thank, I believe. Thank you how, how for that. that is, that's not like a guarantee. No, no. it's not. <laughs> yeah. No. Sharpie, your take on signing day, Dakotas Crawford, Mickey Joseph. Pretty big time, smaller class. But uh, overall, uh, you know what? I think Nebraska did all right. I mean, I enjoyed chatting with some of the kids. I know you did too. And uh, th- this could work out. But right now, there's not a lot of local or national pub or chess beating about uh, the ranking. Yeah, you didn't, you didn't win your state. And this was a really good state uh, this season. Uh, you didn't get the quarterback that draws a lot of buzz to your recruiting class. I think it's some, some pieces that you're going to need to develop outside of Jaden Gould, who I think will be on the field in Ireland to open up the season. I think that's a huge get for Nebraska. Uh, you know, it, it was a class that was going to be small. And if that's going to be small, you got to hit some home runs. And Nebraska clearly did not hit enough home runs. So it puts a lot of onus on this small class to stick together for a while, not have a lot of attrition. But it also puts pressure, and I think it's okay because there are nice pieces in the 21 class that have already been on the field and in some cases have started games. You're going to need that class to stick together and get a huge contribution out of it. Um, you know, I think that where we're kind of, there's two areas that will improve 22. It's the guys that are already on campus, and it's one or two guys that are coming out of the portal. I don't think it'll be anybody outside of the, you know, inside of the 22 class that will impact the 22 season, um, but Nebraska can never have this again. You know, and I know in terms of numbers, they won't because of the extra COVID year, but they can never, ever again be where they are in recruiting rankings. This is a program that needs to be at least in the top 25 and squeeze inside of the 20. But it was a weird year. I mean, look at the top seven in the Big Ten. We're out of the East. The bottom seven, we're out of the West. Uh, we talk about, oh, West is a development league. Yeah, they're going to need a lot of development after the class of 22, which is not strong for this division. Uh, Gary, so, I, okay, I agree with you that talent acquisition needs to be good for Nebraska, of course, right? Like, that just needs to be good. But there's so many sources of that now, right? There's transfer portal, there's recruiting. Um, it's just, I mean, it's, it's so different that when I look at team recruiting rankings, I just, I do not care about those nearly as much as I used to. And I didn't care about them too much before, but I'm just saying they're, for instance, you look at like the 2018 class and Nebraska's recruiting ranking was like 21st. And then the next year they were like 18th, but like half of those players transferred out. So it's just, it doesn't even matter. Right. Like it's, I, I just feel like the whole system needs to get rethought somehow to evaluate how good a team is at acquiring and keeping talent. Be, think well, about like Samore Toure. He doesn't even count. 
on any recruiting ranking anywhere, and he led the team in receiving last year. Yeah, I, you know, when I talk to the guys at Rivals in 24-7, I guess that is something that is in the works, mm. is to reconfigure and factor in portal additions. I was thinking about this the other day, guys, and chime in as well. The new role of Scott Frost as a CEO, and it's kind of to oversee the program, oversee the defense, the offense, you know, kind of take control of the program. One of his biggest jobs as a CEO might be what they do, is you manage and construct a roster, and it's a 24-7 thing. You know, checking to see who's on your roster that's happy, that's going to stay, and then going out and, and constantly looking to upgrade your roster. That might be one of the bigger things that Scott Frost has to do moving forward as a CEO is to manage and construct the roster, and it's a daily thing. Look at, look at yesterday. Look at, for example, yesterday. Nebraska got a wide receiver in the morning who just shows you the relationships of, gosh, wouldn't you like to have Mickey Joseph have an extra month to recruit for this class no and what he's going to be doing in 23? Then you get, you get Payne, who was in the portal, comes out of the portal. Then you get a transfer from New Mexico State at wide receiver. I mean, it's just a, it's a nonstop thing in trying to figure out what your roster is, what your numbers are. Are you at 88? When do you have to get to 85? I mean, that's the world we live in in college football, but you've got to play the game and you've got to play it well. In Nebraska, you know, they had a good ending. They gained some momentum in recruiting, you know, the sense of urgency. I think they closed on a couple of guys of areas that they needed. But it's almost like before Christmas, they need one more boost of, of something for that roster. And is that a quarter? Is that finally the quarterback? Or is that another portal uh, addition? It's a new world in college football where some people probably paid more attention on Wednesday to quarterbacks that are in the portal than any quarterback that was signing with Nebraska. Gary Sharp with us on the weekend edition, Hale Varsity Radio. Sharpie, uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you and your family. And we'll, uh, we'll get caught up here after the new year, bud. Thanks for jumping on and thanks for uh, always taking time for us on Saturdays, man. Hey, thanks, guys. Hopefully this is the last, the last Saturday before Christmas. We are doing this little hit, and we're not talking about Nebraska in a bowl game. Exactly. Right. How 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 BS is it? That this is year five, right? Where <laughs> uh, everyone else is uh, using a little suntan lotion here to, to start the new year and home for the Last holidays. Years. Yeah. Nope. That's a bad. Remember making list. fun of bowls and just being like, oh, "I got to go to play in Detroit." Everyone gets to go. Oh, no, you don't. <laughs> Sharpie, take care, brother. Thanks again. Merry Christmas, guys. See you, bud. There he is. We used to make fun of them all the time. Make fun of bowls. You had to go like to the Alamo little... Bowl. You suck. <laughs> Blue bonnet bowl. Uh-huh. What, are you doing? what is Idiot. this music city they talk of? Oh, wait. Oh, oh I know. Remember bowl that? That's that was even a thing. Like, oh, I can't believe that Pelini's let this program slip to the music. Yeah, all he's done is get him to freaking bowl games. Get him the nine or ten wins. Son of a... All he did is beat Georgia. Gator Bowl? Really? Come on. All he did is beat Clemson. I know. And Georgia. (laughs) He he popped a (laughs) blood vessel on the sideline, but Uh, all he did was beat Georgia and Clemson. So if you figure that Nebraska, when they climb back... It'll probably be to like Detroit or Boise or something I'm, like that. I'll go to right? Boise. I'm not going to Detroit ever. Uh, you're just not. No, it's uh, not happening. Never again. Craig Ack, we'll, uh, we'll talk after the new year, brother. 
Godspeed. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Connor, best to you. Have a good trip home, man. Thanks so much. Back at you Monday on Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.